series that we're in, which is called Growth Track. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, Pastor Rod has led us the last two weeks, and uh, this, this series has been a great chance for us to do a lot of things, to hear a lot of things, um, I'm, and, and we've been pretty excited about this series for a while, but again, one of those things is that uh, myself and Pastor Trey can, can join in uh, and share in the teaching of this series, and uh, you know, the, the, the great thing about hearing from multiple preachers or multiple teachers, multiple voices in a series is that uh, our, our ears have a way of, of hearing from the same person after a while, and, and you may need to hear it from somebody else, and, and for us, it might, we might think, I've never heard it like that before. I've never heard somebody say that before. I've never heard anybody preach on sin like that. I've never heard anybody use that analogy before, and the truth is, you may have heard it a million times, but it was just a voice that you were very familiar with. And, uh, and so that is kind of the saving grace of me being up here is because I can completely bomb it this morning. But as long as I maybe say something in a little bit different way and a different voice than Pastor Rod, my prayer is that it will be helpful. Um, let me say this and we'll jump in. I am, my wife and I have been, been very blessed by uh, the, uh, the care and the prayers and the love and the cards and the phone calls and text messages and uh, Facebook comments, etc. over this past uh, week, really couple weeks, as our family's been uh, dealing with some uh, difficult stuff. And, uh, and so we got to kind of uh, have, a, have a service to remember my, my mom's life and to celebrate her life and to uh, this past, I think it was Wednesday. Uh, that, yeah, that's when the funeral, the last couple of weeks had just been kind of a blur. But we, we had a funeral for my mom this past Wednesday. And uh, I tell you what, I, I don't know what it's like to, um, to be in a family that's not a Christian. Uh, I remember that when I was a kid, but as far as my adult life and my college years and high school years, my whole family's been a Christian since then. And, and so I don't know what it's like to have a loved one that uh, it has passed and you, and you have no hope. There, there is no future for them and, and you're not even really certain about future for yourself. I, I, know, I know what it's like to have that hope of the gospel and uh, I can't imagine it any other way. And, and in many ways, as I, I shared with my brothers, um, this past week. In many ways, the death of a saint, the death of a child of God, is a wonderful thing. Um, and, and I've been reminded of that by, by several people, including my uncle. Um, just this past week, he said, we're the ones that have to stay down here and keep dealing with this stuff. You know, she gets to be in heaven where she doesn't have to deal with any of that. And uh, so we're very grateful for that. Again, thank you for your, your care for us uh, over these last couple weeks. And we've been, we've been blown away by the love um, that we have felt, my wife Rebecca and I. Um, one of the most common questions that uh, I have heard, and, and maybe even that I've asked myself, maybe in younger years especially, maybe even that you have heard or that you have said, one of the most common questions is this, what am I supposed to do in life? What am I supposed to do in life? Or if you're a Christian, you might ask, what does God want me to do? What is his will? What does he want me to do? Or maybe if you're even a deeper thinker, you might use the word purpose. You might say, what is my purpose in life? And I think if we were to raise hands, we would all say, we've either said that or we've heard it. Uh, it's, again, one of the most common questions. Great minds have pondered that question. Many uh, great minds throughout human history and simple minds like mine have asked that question. What am I supposed to do? I've even had conversations just a couple months ago this year with my dad over that very thing. What am I supposed to do in my life? So there's, there's, no, uh, there's no category of age that 
when you reach a certain point in life, you have, a, have that figured out. And there's, uh, but it's, it's a common question. I think it's an important question, too, because whether consciously or subconsciously, we all know that we were created for a reason. There's a reason why we are here on this earth, which I think that's important. It's important to remind ourselves of that. It's important to talk about that from time to time because the world that we live in now, as opposed to maybe, let's say, 200 years ago, the world that we live in uh, tells us that we are a random yet complicated compilation of cells that came from a random, not as complicated compilation of cells. And so here we are as complete random and happenstance, that, that there really is no meaning in life, and because of that, there's no value really in our life. We're just another thing that happens to be around. There's a rock, there's a chicken, and there's us, and it doesn't, doesn't really matter. There's not really a grand purpose for it. That's what the world has been. Uh, if you're my age or you're any younger, you've heard that your entire life, and maybe if you're a little bit older. And here's the, the crazy thing. No wonder there is so much insecurity, there is so much violence, there is so much murder, there's so much devaluing of life in our world right now because you can only be told that so long until you start believing it. You only hear that you're random, that you, have, you really have no value unless you can contribute in a, in a, in a way that maybe the government deems you, you know, worthwhile. You can only hear that so many times before you actually start believing it. And certainly we have a culture of, of so many people that believe that, and, and possibly even some of us, that we struggle with that sense of worth or value. So again, it's so helpful for us to remember and to be reminded of the fact that we have a purpose, that we have value, and that we are worthwhile. And the Bible teaches us, and believers have known this for a long time, that everyone everywhere no matter skin color, no matter ability, no matter uh, what their background is, no matter where they seem to be headed in life, no matter what, fill in the blank. The Bible teaches us that everyone everywhere has value, so much so that the God who created us actually sent his own son to redeem us, to, to bring us back, to, to buy us back, if you will. So don't believe it. When anyone, or even our own minds, your own mind, tells you that you have no value, that you have no worth, that you are worthless, you are valued and you are loved by God who created you with a purpose. Amen? And so what then is that purpose? That's what we're going to talk about today. And actually, that's, that's what we're really talking about this entire series, this growth track series, where we are instilling this growth track, the, these uh, these four steps or these four ideas into the discipleship DNA of our church because we want you to know that, that no matter where you are, who you are and no matter where you're from, no matter what background you have or understanding you do or don't have, we want you to understand and discover why God put you on this earth. Because again, we have to first recognize that we have value. God created us with value. And then the next question is, okay, so now that I have value, now that I'm here, what am I supposed to do? What is my purpose? And again, that's the idea of this growth track, and certainly that's the idea of many of the sermons that are preached in this church. And so with that being said, let me explain and illustrate uh, where, this, where this growth track is going and where it fits into our church. Because while it's a, and, and Pastor Rod has explained this hopefully a couple times, we've done a video on it, but, but I want it to be clear that um, this growth track right now is a sermon series that, uh, let me see if, there we go, 
Uh, right now it's a sermon series where we're, we're, oh, let me go back. That's totally my fault. I just completely forgot I had a clicker. Maybe, maybe. Nope. Can you click on the, the slide before? Thank you. No, not that one. There we go. Yeah, that was, that was my fault. Um, so, so right now it's a series on Sunday morning, but eventually we're going to be going through these four ideas, gather, gather, grow, give, go, in the growth track in a, in a setting that's not necessarily Sunday morning service. Maybe it's before service or after service or in the evening, whenever it might be, for anyone that is new to our church. And so in a, in a sense, uh, right now in this sermon series, we're just kind of bringing everybody up to speed. That's, that's kind of the idea. And, and, and so with this, with this drawing here, here's, here's, let me just give you the big picture of this whole thing, why we're doing this kind of starting point or orientation class. And so we, we have in our mind, and God's word leads us to this idea of being a devoted disciple maker. Let's just say that's what God has called us to do. You could use other phrases, a dis- devoted disciple maker. And here's how we might say it in our church, that we are saved, baptized, that we're a worshiper and we're regularly worshiping with other believers, that, that we're a member of the church. Uh, you know, covenant member, covenant together, that we're a member of a group, a small group, uh, uh, that, that we're volunteering, that we're serving in a ministry, that, um, that maybe even we're a leader in the church, at least lead by example. Or, or maybe we would say that we're a missionary, we're going on mission. There's probably a lot of different phrases that we might use or descriptions we might use of this is who we're trying to become, this is who we as pastors want all of us to become. But we have to have a plan to get there because if you're a visitor to or you're, or you're a guest to a service like this or to a small group or or maybe you show up to to somebody maybe somebody shows up to our home and, and we want to invite them along in our discipleship journey we have to have a path to to get there right if, if that's the goal how are we going to get there so here's where the growth track comes into play we want to help you learn how to gather to grow give and go to gather with the body of Christ, to grow in the image of Christ, to give to the work of Christ, and then go with the message of Christ. And so hopefully that helps. And a nice little illustration here. And here's, here's my goal and Pastor Rod's goal and Pastor Trey's goal is that we want to help you get there. We want to help you take whatever next step that is that you need to take. Maybe that's to be saved or baptized. Maybe that's to get into a group because we believe uh, life change and, and, and spiritual health help spiritual health happens best in a group. Uh, maybe it's to, uh, to serve in a ministry, whatever that might be. Maybe it's to go on a mission trip in a couple weeks. We, our goal as pastors is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And so hopefully that little illustration there makes sense uh, because there is, a, there is a path to get to where we're trying to go. So, uh, so, so far in this series, Pastor Rod has uh, preached us through what it means to gather, what it means to grow, and then this morning we have the third step, which is, anybody know what it means to give? What it means to give. Pastor Rod said last week that a strategic, intentional process like this is essential if we're going to produce healthy disciples. And I, I would love to talk about that a whole lot more. I don't have time for that this morning. But let me just say that again. And if we're going to produce healthy disciples, if we are going to become healthy disciples, just like any other path in life that we want to take, if you want to become the next uh, Carolina Panthers quarterback, whatever that might be, whatever the goal is, you want to be a, a great fifth grade teacher, or you, you, whatever, the, whatever the goal is, there has to be a strategy to get there. I was telling my kids, I can't remember why we were talking about this. I think it was about Superman or something like that because it was uh, Superman was on, on TV a couple days ago. 
It's, it's this uh, innate dream, I, I think probably for everybody, that maybe tomorrow when we wake up, we're going to immediately have that talent that we've always wished we could have. Or, or, or maybe we're going to have that position that we've always been We've always been wanting. Somebody said a couple weeks ago, man, they were looking at uh, Austin Tap up here playing guitar, which he's uh, incredible, right? Uh, but they were watching him play, and, so, and somebody said a couple weeks ago, man, I, I just wish that I could just like wake up and be like, you know, just be able to play like Austin. You know, and we all have that, I, I think, we all have that dream. That's why superheroes and, you know, Marvel and DC, that's why it's kind of interesting to us or whatever the category might be, because we just hope that like one day I'm just going to be really fast. Or I'm going to be really strong. I don't want to do what it takes to get there. But maybe just one day I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be like super smart. And I'm going to remember what I need to remember. Or maybe tomorrow when I wake up I'm going to be a really good husband or, or wife. Whatever. We, we have this dream that maybe it's just going to happen for us. But the reality of life is that it doesn't. We're not going to get, if we get struck by lightning, we're not going to have super speed. Okay? It might be quite the opposite. And so we need a strategic, intentional process if we're going to produce healthy disciples. And it's not just about learning information. It's about taking information that we are taught, which is important. Information's important, but it's about taking that information and doing something with it, putting it into practice over time, which will lead to transformation. If we want to become a healthy disciple, there has to be, uh, we have to begin and put the things into practice, learn how to do it. So before you get to, to your notes this morning that hopefully you were given um, when you came in, as we work through this study guide, let me give us one more reason why we believe these four G's, these gather, grow, give, go, are so important for us to talk about as a church. And here it is. Because we see these things, gather, grow, give, go, we see these things exemplified in the first church. In, in, in so many ways, you could say you, you see these taught by Christ himself, but, but we see them applied and exemplified in the first church, in the book of Acts. If you're familiar with that, Jesus dies, he rises again, he ascends. Uh, the disciples, they gather in the upper room, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they begin the first church. And a whole lot of things in Acts chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, a whole lot of things happen in that passage. Luke tells us in Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 45, this. That they sold, this is the first church, they sold property and possessions to, what does it say? Give to anyone who had need. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. That's interesting. That characterized the first church, giving. We could certainly say gathering, growing, and going did as well. That's for another sermon. But giving characterized the first church. This, this blows my mind. What this looked like exactly, I don't know. All we know is that they were giving, generous people. And it's an amazing picture of the church. Then in the next chapter, Scripture says that there's a lame beggar that comes up to Peter and John, and he asks for, for financial help, asks for alms, asks for gold, silver, whatever. Here, here's Peter's response. I love this. To the lame beggar that comes up to, to Peter and John, here's their response. They said, I have no silver and gold. I know what that's like. But what I do have, I what? Give to you. I don't, I don't have what you're asking for necessarily, but what I do have, I'm going to give you. That's a, that's a pretty good lesson in and of itself, right? That maybe we couldn't do what 
whatever somebody's asking for, maybe what somebody needs. We can't meet all the problems in the world around us, maybe even in the town beside us or the town that we're in, maybe even in our family, but we do have something to give. And here's what Peter and John said, what I do have I give you. So, because they were filled with the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And what's interesting is the lame beggar wasn't asking for that. He didn't even know that was possible, but they gave him what he really needed. So following the pattern of giving that Jesus set, the first church, we see this characterizing the first church, uh, that, that eventually we read in Paul's letters, especially in 1 Corinthians 12, that the church of Jesus Christ is to be a generous church. Generous to each other. Me, generous to you, you generous to me, us generous to each other, and to the people that Jesus said are your neighbors, the people in need around you. That the church of Jesus Christ, then the first church was an example of it, and certainly still today, we are to be a generous church, so much so that when the world sees us, they see Christ in us. That the world sees the love that we have for each other, and the world sees that they, the love we have for them, and they say, there's something going on there. We'd be that much of a giving and generous church. So with that in mind, let's go to, uh, to your notes. If you grab your, uh, your folder there, and we're going to talk about what it means to give to the, work of the Christ, to the work of Christ. Again, if you missed the first two weeks uh, where we talked about gathering and growing, you can either get online to our website and make those up, if you will, or wait till next year when we actually have a classroom setting for those that are new to our church, and you can kind of make it up then which will be wonderful, and we'll have time to interact, and we'll have time to joke, and we'll have time to eat danishes or whatever we're going to do, but right now, we just got to run through it, as you've, you know if you've been with us for the past couple weeks. So uh, what does it mean to give to the work of Christ? So that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. And so the first main, uh, main heading there is, why should we give to the work of Christ? And here's number one. We need to know this. We were created to give. We were created to to give. I don't know what happened to it. Uh, nope. I don't know why it's disappearing. That's really weird. We were created to give. God made each of us, and we, already, we just said this, God made each of us with a purpose, and our life will never make sense until we find, develop, and fulfill that unique purpose that God has given to us, shaped our life with. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We are created to give. And the second thing is this, we are called to serve or called to give. We are called. We have an imperative from scriptures, not only how we were created, but we were called to give of ourselves to others. And of course, that, that was, the pattern was set by Jesus who came not to be served, but to serve. Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to freedom, so through love serve one another. What is serving? Serving is really just giving yourself. And there's a third thing here. We are gifted to give. We're gifted to give. This, this is huge because it's, it's not just this theoretical understanding. This is a practical understanding that the time that we have, everybody has the same amount of time every day, 24 hours every day, uh, but what might be different about us is our talents. We have different talents, and we have different treasures, or we have different resources. We have varying levels of resources. Those things that we have were given to us. Maybe we worked for them, yes. Maybe we tried hard for them, yes. Maybe they were given to us by you know, inheritance or whatever. 
But however we got them, we have to understand that it came from God. God allowed us to have those things, whatever those things are, time, talents, and resources, so that, not just so we can have a good life, not just so we can, uh, you know, live it up, make good money, drive a nice car. No, it's so that we can give to others. 1 Peter 4 says this, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. As you have received, so give. So what ways can we give? What ways can we give? And we've already introduced these three, but I want to I tackle these and just be very clear with these. And number one is this, we have time. We can offer our time. You know, we might not think at times that we have a lot of talent. We might not really, you know, look at our bank account or look at our stuff and say we have much to give away, but we all have time. And I think we would find out um, when life is difficult and when things happen, the most precious gift you can give somebody is your time. And we all have it. And again, we all have the same amount. Sometimes, again, the best way that we can love somebody is through what's called our ministry of presence. Taking time out to just be with them. Maybe you don't know the words to say. I've been in that boat. Uh, maybe, maybe you don't necessarily have anything that you can give physically, but you can be with them. Your ministry of presence by giving somebody a listening ear. We all need somebody to listen to us at times, right? Maybe you can give somebody a shoulder to cry on. Like, hey, just, just, just lean on me. Uh, maybe it's an encouraging word. You hear enough criticism. Maybe, it, maybe you give somebody an encouraging word encouraging word. Maybe it's a helping hand. Maybe it's advice for a problem. Maybe it's asking a question when they really need to hear a question, but we can offer our time. And the second thing is this, we can use our talent. We can use our talent to glorify God by serving others. Sometimes we think, and we're going to get into this in a second, I want to help you this morning through our study. I want to help you maybe discover some talents some abilities, maybe even spiritual gifts that you have, maybe that you haven't thought about. But, but here's, the, here's the thing. Whatever talent God has given to us, we can use it for his glory. Maybe your talent is music. Maybe your talent is carpentry. Maybe you're the best bricklayer around. Uh, maybe the best landscaper around. Maybe you, you can, you're great with computers. Maybe you're great with kids. And the list could go on and on and on and right. There, there, there may be this room full of however many, 150 people, maybe 150 different mixes of talents. And maybe you haven't thought about this before, but you can use that talent for God's glory and to serve others, even to serve the local church. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There's varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all to everyone. To each is given the manifestation for the Spirit, or of the Spirit for the common good. It's not just for me, it's for us. And number three, time, talent, and treasures. We can donate our treasures. How can we give of ourselves? It's through our time, it's through our talent, and it's through our treasures, our stuff that God has uh, given to us to steward. The Bible uh, sets a standard, if you will, for giving in the Old Testament, and, and many people believe that he echoes that in the New Testament, and it's called the tithe. 
or a 10%. We, we use that phrase here, giving a tithe to the church or giving a tithe to God's work, a 10% or a, a percentage, whatever that percentage might be. Um, and, and, and the idea of a tithe isn't necessarily about the amount. It's about when we give it. It's about priority. The idea of a tithe is that it's first, is that it's our best. Because we all know what it's like to give our leftovers, or we can give whatever the opposite, first overs, first unders, I don't know. We can give our first and our best. That, that's the idea of a tithe. God has called us to give. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each one must give as he has decided in his heart or her heart, not reluctantly, oh, I don't want to give this, nor under compulsion, no one's forcing you, no one's making you. Here's what he says, for God loves a cheerful giver. Because the church is a body of believers on mission together, that's us, one of the most critical ways that we can give to the work of Christ, yes, our time, yes, our treasures, but let's talk for a second uh, about our talent. How can we serve God's church? How can we serve one another in God's church? How can we serve our neighbors? Let's, t- let's talk for a second about our, our talent. So here's a question. What what happens when we give? And I want us to, again, we could give, talk about time and treasure. Let's focus in on the idea of our talent. What happens when we give? Number one is this. Giving is worship to the giver. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. When, when God who gave something to us, when we give it to others, he is worshiped. The giver is worshiped. Giving what we have to what God is doing is an act of worship to the true giver. 2 Corinthians 9 says this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. You want to reap bountifully? You want to reap a lot? Then you got to sow a lot. Each one, again he says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And number two, what happens when we give? Giving reflects God's nature. Giving reflects God's nature. I I love the characteristic of God that he is a giver. I I don't think I was necessarily taught that growing up. In fact, I I almost had the impression, and maybe this was just me, maybe this is what I was taught, I almost had the impression that God was a taker, that that he's just looking what he can take from you, and if you don't give it to him, he's going to find some way to take it. But God is a giver. And when we give of ourselves, we are being like Christ who generously and sacrificially gave himself for us. You could probably say the most common or most famous uh, scripture verse in all of the Bible, John 3, 16. Here's how it starts. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It reflects God's nature. The third thing is this. Giving is good stewardship. Giving is good stewardship. What does that mean? When, when we give of what God has given to us, let me clarify, we're not giving in a sense to God. We're, we're certainly uh, symbolically giving to God. When you give an offering in, uh, with this church or uh, you give of your talent to a ministry or you give of your time to a friend in need, you're not giving to God in that sense of like uh, sacrificing something to, a, to an idol or, or whatever. You're not, you're not throwing your talent up to God. No, you're serving one another You're giving to his church, and symbolically we're giving to God. That's our offering to him. So when we give of what God has given to us, we are making eternal investments 
into the kingdom of God. Eternal investments. I don't know about you, but I'm at the stage in life where I'm starting to look at where my investments are. Where, where's my retirement? Not there yet, but, but I'm recognizing if, if I don't build it now, it won't be there then, right? And of course, it may not even be there then when I'm you know, older and it's like, hey, where'd it go? I don't know. But, but I'm, I'm at that stage in life, and probably we, we all are. We want to invest into something that has good reward. We don't want to waste our money. But have you ever thought about this? Everything that we invest in in this life, whether we buy land, whether we put it into a savings account, a CD, whether we put it into a, like my grandpa did, a savings bond or a war bond, and eventually, you know, you get it out. Whatever we invest in in this life is temporary, but whatever we invest into the kingdom of God is eternal. It, it actually, and I, I put it there in your notes, Matthew 6, 20, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. You, you will not lose your reward, Scripture says, when you invest into the kingdom of God. It's good stewardship. It's wise investing to give of yourself to the kingdom of God, to the work of God, and to his church. Number four, God rewards our generosity. God rewards our generosity. So many Christians, and maybe even some of you, could share stories of how when you sacrificially and generously gave to someone or something or to the church or through the church, you were blessed so much more as a result. In fact, Jesus himself said it's more blessed to what? To give than to receive. God rewards, maybe not always in this life, but God rewards our generous giving and our faithful stewardship. Colossians 3 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not man, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. You know you'll receive an inheritance. And so the next topic, the next big heading is number four. It says this, how has God designed us to serve? Again, we can talk about uh, time and, and treasure, but we're focusing in on talent. How has God designed us to serve? Did you know that God has uniquely designed you to use your gifts to serve others. You have a design. And, and here's what I mean. There's four bullet points under there, four fill, fill in blanks. Number one, there, there is a place for you in God's church, in this church. If this is your church, I, I understand not, maybe not everybody says, this is my church home, this is, this is where the church I'm part of, this is my church family. Maybe not all of you are there. Uh, and, and certainly if you're interested in getting to that point, becoming a member of our church, let's talk about that or talk to Pastor Rod or, or Trey. But if you say this is your church home, there is a place for you. Whatever your talent, whatever your ability might be, the team roster here is never full. We're, we're not filling up the starting lineup and then the rest of you can sit on the bench. No, everybody has a place to serve in God's local church, whatever that might be. Maybe it's kids and youth or worship and production or greeting, security, thank God for our security team. Uh, maybe it's uh, our small groups. Whatever it might be, there's a place for you. Number two, it takes teamwork to make the dream work. It takes teamwork. I'm afraid that the church of, let's just say, the last hundred years has focused way too much on the abilities of a few and not enough on the abilities of the whole. Listen, this church isn't based on the, uh, the preaching uh, strength of one pastor 
or the, uh, the youth pastor skills, whatever, the, I think that's ping pong, youth pastor skills, no, just kidding, the youth pastor skills of, of one youth pastor, or the guitar playing skills of one worship leader. Not at all. It's quite the opposite. This church is full of men and women, teenagers, boys and girls that have gifts and talents that make up the body of Christ. We're all members of that body. Certainly some are leaders, but we all have a place to serve on the team, and it requires teamwork, us working together in our gifts, if what we're trying to accomplish is going to be accomplished. Number three, our availability is our greatest ability. Our availability is our greatest ability. And I am so thankful for that truth because I don't have a whole lot of abilities. I can do a couple things. And then I can do a whole lot of other things mediocre. Uh, I don't, maybe you can do a lot of things that are great. But our best ability, or yeah, our, our, our best ability is our availability. Am I just available to do what needs to be done? You know, sometimes the dishes just need to be washed. It doesn't matter whether you're good at washing dishes or not. Sometimes the grass needs to be mowed. Sometimes the trash needs to be taken out. Whatever the example might be, sometimes the the best ability we can have is just, hey, I'll do it. But we all fit best somewhere. We all fit best somewhere. And and most likely you you know what that's like. You know that you have done things before, you've been asked to do things before that just wasn't in your wheelhouse. Like, I don't know anything about this, I'm not good at it, I'll do it, but somebody should probably take this from me and, and do it. Maybe, again, maybe that's washing dishes in your home. Maybe it's like, I'm just no good, and you ask your spouse to do it for you because she or he is a whole lot better. All right, whatever, you can try that at home, I don't see how it works. But... <laughs> But in the church, that happens all the time. Somebody says, yeah, I'm willing. And so they get put into a position maybe of service or leadership to do something that they're not really equipped to do. They're not even really talented to do, and they're stuck. That's not our, that's not our hope in this church. Has it happened? Absolutely. We've all done it. But that, that's not what we want. What we want is that everybody would be in the best position of service or leadership for them because we all fit best somewhere. We all have strengths. We all have desires, experiences that come together to make what uh, a writer named Max Licato calls our sweet spot. We have strengths. We have desires. We have experiences. And, and I could talk a long time about this, but if you just have, if you just have a desire to do something, and you maybe have an experience in it, but you don't have a strength. You see where the desires and experiences to come together? That's what's called a non-skilled worker. You can do it. You know how to do it, but you're not very good at it. You love to do it, but you're not really good at it. You're non-skilled. Or, or, or maybe you have the strength to do it and you have the desire to do it, but you don't have an experience that has kind of matured you in that. You can end up being very self-centered. Like, hey, look, look what I can do. Look, look what I've accomplished. Or, again, we could, we could keep going, but here's the idea. Where our strengths, our desires, and our experiences come together, that is where we want to be serving, where we want you to be serving, where I want to be serving in a sweet spot. And we could, again, go on. So, so here, here's the idea. We're all designed. D-E-S-I-G-N. And you see it there in your notes. D-E-S-I-G-N. We are all designed to do, to serve, to give of ourselves with our desires, our experiences, our spiritual gifts, our individualities, 
and our growth, our growth phase and our natural abilities. We're going to go through all these things very quickly. And then in just a second, you're going to get an opportunity to kind of chart some things and to make some check marks for yourself and to hopefully discover a little bit about, you, about yourself. So what are our desires? What, what does that mean? Number one, your desires are God-given. God gives us the desires of our hearts. God gives us passions to accomplish his purposes. And in, in, what, I, what I found to be intriguing and uh, funny sometimes, or yeah, I guess, I guess funny, is that you, maybe the person sitting beside you um, has a desire and a passion to do something that you could care less about. And, and it's very frustrating because they're like, why don't you care about what I care about? But the reality is, that's not the desire God gave them. And so there can be a lot of tension in a relationship because you have different passions and desires, but it helps that tension when we discover God gave me a different desire and a passion. And once you figure out what that is, then there's a, there's a chance that you will go all out with that desire and passion. And when you find a couple people or several people or a team that are, that are working hard in their desires and passions, you can get so much Accomplish. There's more that we could say about that. Philippians 2 says this. Paul says, For it is God in you uh, to for it is God in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Number two, your desires are unique. Again, that idea of a relationship, you have a different desire and a different passion given by God than other people. And knowing what your desires are helps you figure out where to serve. Some of you have a desire to work to work with kids, to work with teenagers, to work with, with babies. Some of you, it is the last thing that you want to do. It's good to be honest about that. It really is. Sometimes we need to say, okay, I'll do it. I, need, I just need to be available. But it's good to discover where our desires lie. And so, so here's what you have on your sheet there. you got a list, of several, um, a list of several desires. Design and develop, pioneer and begin. So let me give you 10 seconds. Just look through that list and just mark your top three. Don't belabor it. Just mark your top three. And hopefully you were given a notebook on the way, and if not, I'm very sorry. Um, there are some in the lobby if you want to slip out and grab one. All right, your top three desires. Again, we, we can't spend too much time on this. Maybe something to think about later, just the first three that come to mind. So that's D, desires. The next thing is this, D-E-S-I-G-N. The next is experiences. What are our experiences? We talked about this in our young adult small group this morning. Our response to life events help make us who we are today. Our response to life events not just the stuff that happens to us is how we responded. Philippians 1 says, Paul said, what has happened to me has already served to advance the gospel. Number two, our accomplishments help us see what God can do with us. When we look back at our life and we see our accomplishments, it helps us understand, okay, God could use me to do that. Maybe he won't again, but maybe he will. It helps us to see that. Romans 8, we know that all things, in all things, God works for uh, for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. There's things that God has used us to accomplish, and it's helpful to understand. But in the same way, painful experiences can, can stretch and strengthen us. Painful experiences. In, in the same way that if you go to the gym, 
uh, and, and you work out a particular muscle group and you stretch it and, and you, you, in a sense, uh, impact it and you provide pain, good pain, not bad pain, to that area, you can strengthen it. And our lives are the very same way. God can use painful experiences to stretch and strengthen us. Second Corinthians 1. Sometimes if we ask, why does this thing happen to me? Paul says, God wonderfully comforts and strengthens us in our hardships and trials. And why does he do this? So that when others are troubled down the road, needing our sympathy and encouragement, we can pass on to them the same help and comfort God has given to us. Have you ever thought about that? Maybe God allowed you to go through a painful situation so that you can grow and learn and in the future be prepared to help somebody else through that same painful or similar painful experience. Number four about our experiences, ministry experiences, so show us what we should or should not do today. And when I say ministry, I'd love to talk about this more, but when I say ministry, I'm not talking about what a pastor does. We're all called to do the work of ministry. It, it's a misnomer. It's a, it's a wrong idea to think there's only some Christians that do ministry. It's correct to think that we are all doing ministry. Some might be leading, but we're all called to ministry. And maybe you've had an experience in your past of serving at a church, this church, this previous church. Those are helpful. Those ministry experiences are helpful to, for us to see yeah, I, I kind of like to do that again, or I never want to do that again in my life. That's helpful. Number five, spiritual experiences set our life in new directions. Spiritual experiences. Kind of those moments where God meets with us in a unique way, sets our life on a new path and in a new direction. Those are so helpful. Second Timothy 1.6, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul is saying to Timothy, you had, an you had a spiritual experience I remind you to fan into flame that gift. They set our life in new directions. And number six, sometimes we don't think about this, but our educational experiences, maybe that's at school, maybe that's at work, our educational experiences, the things that we've learned, the classes we've attended, the certificates we've received from education, they are great building blocks for ministry. So next time you're sitting in a class or in a meeting and you think, why in the world Am I sitting here? I'm never going to use this before or use this again in my life, which I thought pretty much every day in calculus in high school. And the reality is maybe you won't ever use that, but maybe you'll, lose, you'll use something that you learned from that class. Maybe, a, uh, maybe, maybe just a, a, a little bit of truth, or maybe it's just the expanding of your mind that you, you gained through a class or through some education. There are great building blocks for ministry. Paul says about himself in Acts 22, we don't always think about this about Paul, but he says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in uh, Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. Paul had education. You could argue he had the wrong kind of education. He was educated to do the wrong thing, the law, but it was still helpful for him in the future ministry that he had. So uh, on your... I forgot to say this earlier. Sorry about that. Uh, hopefully in, in your packet there, you have what's called a My Design worksheet. Um, that it's a, you, you fill it out. Uh, that's either at the back or the front or somewhere in the middle. Those are your three options. Um, and and you, the, that sheet, that My Design worksheet, at the end of this, uh, we would love for, to, uh, to receive, for you to turn that in in the, the lobby in the back. And, and I'll come back to that in a second, why that's so helpful. But on that My Design worksheet, uh, I would love for you to write down just one experience in your life that has affected you the most. 
Just whatever comes to mind, that experience in your life that has affected you the most, this experience changed my life. And so you write that down on your My Design worksheet. And if you didn't check the box on the desires, you can go back and, and do those as well. So we talked about our desires and our experiences. And now what about our spiritual gifts? D-E-S-I-G-N for design. Our spiritual gifts. I think at times when, when we start talking about maybe in church, what, what is a spiritual gift? We can, we can easily get kind of glossy-eyed, you know, kind of mystified, like spiritual gift. That sounds very mystical. That sounds very ethereal. It's somewhere theoretical out there. But let me, let me break this down a little bit. I think this will be helpful to you. Under spiritual gifts, number one, the Holy Spirit is God's primary gift. So when we talk about what our spiritual gifts are, the Holy Spirit is the primary gift. It's, that's, I think you could argue, the most important gift with, with our salvation that we have been given. He's our comforter. He's our strength giver. He's our, our provider. Salvation gives us the Holy Spirit, which produces godly fruit. And Galatians talks about that. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. God doesn't just give us love. He gives us the Holy Spirit, which produces love and joy and peace in us. Jesus said in John 14, uh, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will, or, or rather, he will give you another helper, talking about the Holy Spirit, that he may be with you and will be in you. God's primary gift. Number two, spiritual gifts are supernatural abilities. Supernatural. Now, normally when we use this, the word supernatural, we're talking about something like, hey, I can fly. I can, you know, be, uh, I'm, I'm strong like Hulk or, or whatever. That's not the idea of supernatural that we're using here. We're, we're just saying it's, it's not, it's, it's above natural. Uh, maybe there's another term that we could use there. I, I like that term. It's, we, we, talk about our, we could talk about our natural abilities. But here's the thing about spiritual gifts is that they are outside of what we naturally have. Meaning... They were either not naturally present or they were not realized before our salvation. And, and here's what I've discovered. Let me, let me read this. 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Here, here's what I've discovered. Prior to me being saved, I had some natural abilities, whatever those were. After my salvation... There's been a few key times in my life that God called me into a, uh, to, to do a certain task, uh, and, and specifically early on in my college years to lead worship at a church, and what I discovered was that I did not have the natural ability to do it. I didn't have it. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't have uh, the, the, the voice for it. I didn't have the musical ability for it. I had no clue. Didn't have the natural ability, but God called me to do it. Have you ever heard the phrase, God equips those he calls? He doesn't call the equipped, he equips those he calls. He calls. So a spiritual gift, at least my understanding from Scripture, is that God gives us an ability, a capability, a gift, a talent to do something for him after our salvation. It is a supernatural ability. It's not natural, it's supernatural. Whatever that might be. And we could probably go on uh, more and more, and you see a list right under that. And so as we begin, begin to look at that, let me give you one more uh, bullet point on this, that spiritual gifts are given for God's glory. Spiritual gifts are given for God's glory, not for our own glory, not to boost us up, to get our name in lights, but for God's glory. They're to glorify him through the building up of the body of Christ. 
And so just the same way you did your desires, look down through that list, and, and, and you may not know the answer to this, but just do the best you can. The top three spiritual gifts that as you think about your life and, and where God has led you since your salvation, put down three things that, that I think I have this gift. And then you write those on, your, on that worksheet that you have. spiritual gifts. Again, you may not have ever thought about that before, and that's fine. You can, you can think about it uh, later, maybe more in depth, and I've given you some, some uh, defi- quick definitions there, and hopefully that's, that's helpful. But let's move on. Uh, D-E-S, the next letter is I, and it is our individualities. Individualities. I say that word weird. Individualities. What, what are they? Your individual style is, is how you serve. It may not necessarily be your gift or your desire or your experience, but, it, but it's kind of how you do it, how you do this thing that you are called to do or that you have an ability to do. The church benefits from many people with different personalities, with different styles. Maybe you are near somebody that you don't really like their personality and they may not like yours, but the church benefits from different personalities and different styles in the room. Romans 12, our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function. It's kind of the idea. Number two, different styles reach different people. Different styles reach different people. Every one of us, with the personality and the individuality and the style that God has given us, can minister to different people because of that style. We, we relate to, we connect with different people because we have maybe a similar style. Maybe somebody else doesn't connect to them, but you can because of your individuality. And number three, your individuality is how you are, two things, energized and organized. And we're about to have uh, some fun here, at least I think it's fun. You might not think it's fun. But this is how you're energized and how you're organized. So here's what I mean. And you see there, hopefully, um, in your your paperwork, and you're going to write down the answer to this in a second in your My Design worksheet. But here's, here's how you're energized. And so I want you to go through that, uh, this, this chart here. And you, you see there's a, a, a line on the left and then a line on the right. And if you've ever taken a test at school before, you, you might be familiar with this. Um, let me go back. How you are. Can you go back, to the, go back one? I don't know why mine. Back one more. There we go. How are you energized? So you can go through this uh, list and just write what number you're closer to. So if you like doing things for people, you're comfortable doing things for people, circle number one on that first one. Or if you're more comfortable being with people as opposed to doing, you're being. So just go through that list and mark whatever number is closer to the option. And then when you're at the end, pull out your graphics calculator and figure out the total.
All right, so that's how you are energized. So whatever that score is, we're going to come back to that in, uh, in a minute. Um, the second block there, the second chart, is how, similar, different words, how are you organized? So the first one, while on vacation, I prefer to be spontaneous or follow a plan. Um, if you don't know the answer to some of these, you can ask your friend or spouse or whoever's closest to you. They might know it better than you. Circle those and then total up your score. And then whatever score you have for the energized and the score you have for organized, then the next page uh, has a chart. And basically you're going to take your, uh, both those numbers, I'll give you a second, chart them on the, your graph there, um, your O number and your E number, and then you'll draw a line, and wherever that line intersects, that's probably where you fall, are you tasked? Task-oriented and structured, or are you people-oriented and unstructured? Whatever those might be. I'll give you a second to, to work through that. And it should look like something like that. All right, we'll, we'll continue. So that's the idea of your individuality, whether you are people or task um, oriented or whether you're structured or unstructured. And you can put that on your, and hopefully if we had the chance, if this were a normal class, we would talk about, were you surprised? Are you surprised to find out that you're task oriented as opposed to people oriented? Um, are you surprised to find that, that your spouse is uh, structured or are they unstructured? Those are, again, those are helpful to figure out because that's how we serve, and we need all kinds. Maybe you're totally people-oriented. You could care less about getting things done. You just want to be with people. That's, that's, that's good to understand about ourselves. Maybe you should be a greeter. Maybe you're not in charge of the greeters because you might not ever get anything done. But maybe you need to be a greeter at the door. Or maybe you're highly task-oriented. That you, you, it's not, you, could, you could care less if anybody else is in the room. You just want to get things done. Maybe there's a different ministry for you than the greeter team, if that makes sense. Or maybe you're, you're unstructured. You don't care what your desk looks like. You don't, you don't care. You're just going to spot, maybe spontaneous. You just want to figure it out as you go along. That might be very helpful 
to figure that out, to figure out how you serve best and to find the best place you fit. All right, we, we have to uh, continue. Number, uh, not number, letter G in D-E-S-I-G, and then there's one more after this, is our growth phase. Our growth phase. What does that mean? Number one, growth begins where you are. Growth begins where you are. You know, spiritual growth has, it seems, little to do with your age. It's, it's really about something else we'll come back to in a second. But it begins where you are. So maybe you recognize today that you are immature in your faith. Your growth can begin today wherever you are. Number two, growth happens best in groups. We talked about this last week. Growth happens best in groups. You can learn from people around you, and they can learn from you. If you're by yourself, you only know what you know, but you learn from others. That's why YouTube is so popular, because we get on and we find out, oh, that's how they took that thing off the doohickey and the, you know, duct tape or whatever. So growth happens best in groups of other people, some that are ahead of you, some that are behind you, some that are with you. Hebrews 10 talks about that, encouraging one another so much more. Uh, number three, growth happens in phases. Happens best in groups, and we need to think about how it happens in phases. And you see a, a list there of six different categories. And I just want you to kind of evaluate yourself. Where, where would you say you fall in these growth phases? Are you dead spiritually? You've never been saved? We'd love to help you uh, to, to have a, a spiritual birth. We'd love to help you get saved. Or maybe you recognize that I'm an infant, I'm, just, I'm young in my faith, or a child. Or maybe on the other side, you would say you're a grandparent. You, you've gotten to the place in your life where you're leading others that are leading others spiritually. You've, you've passed on, uh, you've made a disciple who's making a disciple. Just, let's just be honest about where we are. So uh, mark which one you think you are, and then you'll put that on your My Design worksheet as well. And then the last letter, D-E-S-I-G-N, is this. And again, this whole idea is not about our time or our treasures necessarily, but about our talents. Where and how do we fit into the body of Christ as far as serving in ministry? Because I believe this. Everybody that calls Sheraw uh, First Baptist their home fits somewhere. Maybe you should be singing. Maybe you should be turning the knob that somebody's singing. Maybe you should be uh, carrying babies in the nursery. Uh, maybe you should be organizing the people that are carrying the babies in the nursery. Maybe it's security. Maybe it's, some, maybe it's chairs at the end of the service. That you know what? I kind of like to lift heavy things, sweat a little bit. I'm going to do that at the end of every service. Whatever it is. We all fit somewhere. None of us are called to be sideline sitters. When I was in high school and played football, I was called to be a sideline sitter, evidently, because that's what I did. Uh, I played tailback. The coach, I asked the coach, could I play? And he said, get your tailback on the bench. That's a good joke. All right. So D-E-S-I-G-N, natural abilities. What are they? So again, we talked about spiritual gifts, but what about our natural abilities? Number one, we are born with certain capacities. We're born with certain capacities. Maybe you don't even know what those are yet. You might be the fastest person to ever be born, but you don't know it because you haven't ran yet. But we all have natural abilities, right? Or capabilities, uh, capacities. That, that we just we, we were born with this ability to do. Some people were, some people weren't. 1 Corinthians 12, we read this before, there's a variety of gifts, varieties of service, varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all. You might, you might think, well, my parents were really good at 
whatever this was, and so I'm good at it. And it makes sense. I, I, you get it honestly. You learned it from them. You gained it from them. But you know who really gave it to you? It's God. If you have an ability to do something, God gave it to you. So we're born with that, uh, with those capacities or, or capabilities. Number two, natural abilities are also for God's glory. Our spiritual gifts that God gives us are for his glory, but so are our natural abilities. Those things that we naturally do, they can also be used for God's glory. And you see a list right there, and I hope you'll go through and mark your top three. Just run through that list. Are you a really good recruiter and team builder? Check that, or go through that list, and I'll give you just a second to do that. All right, now as we conclude, let me invite the band to come up, and we're going to sing uh, uh, most of a, a closing song this morning, and then we're going to take care of some stuff right after that. But let's, let's talk about next steps. So again, this is a much different sermon series than is a normal sermon series in our church. We're giving you a snapshot of this is what the class will look like. We're catching you up to speed. Um, and so, it, so we, we may not have the time necessarily to interact, or maybe you don't have the time to, to fill out that My Design worksheet. So I'd encourage you, if you didn't have the time to do that, take it home, bring it back, drop it off at the office, bring it back next Sunday. But we would love to get one of these My Design worksheets from every adult, teenager, kid, part of our church, because, again, we believe that everybody fits somewhere on the team, that, that we are a body, and if there's any members of that body that aren't serving in the giftedness that God has given them, then not only are, are they missing out on the blessing of giving, but the church misses out. The church loses, the church misses out when individuals that are part of that body aren't doing what they were designed to do. And can you imagine if I had a hand here and one of the fingers didn't work, or my hand didn't work, or maybe the hand worked but the elbow didn't work. It's, it won't function correctly, right? There's something that it was designed to do, and if it's not doing it, then we're missing out. And so that, that's our goal. That's our dream, is that everybody that calls Sherrall First Baptist their home, as we pursue maturity, as Ephesians 4 tells us, that, that God wants us to become mature as a church, as we pursue that, that we would all be serving in a ministry. And let me say this. It's not just about serving on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or Sunday night, like as far as the church, the organization. It's not just about that. That there, there are so many opportunities in the world in which we live, at work, at school, in our neighborhoods, uh, uh, boys and girls clubs and, and, and Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, so many opportunities, football programs and basketball programs and soccer, so many opportunities in the world around us that we can use our gifts to serve God. But here... And that is true. But here's also what I believe. I believe it starts with serving as a member of the local church. That, that this family that we're part of, this body that we are part of, we start there. And we give glory to God by using the abilities that he has given to us. And so what are our next steps you see there on your, on your paper? Number one, turn in your My Design worksheet. And you can, again, turn it in turn in in the, in the lobby at the Welcome Center when you leave here or this week if you don't have a chance to finish it. Number two, uh, join the ministry team. Maybe you just want to step out in faith and say, I'm just going to be available and then we'll figure it out from there. 
That's great. We, we'd love to talk and help place you in the absolute best place, uh, ministering to the kids or ministering with the youth or playing an instrument or, or, or whatever that might be. But then here's the third thing. And we, we didn't talk about this too much. We did earlier. But give financially. It, it's time, talent, and treasure. Give financially. We, we even in the lobby, uh, we have information about how you can set up to give online. If you've never done that, maybe you've thought, I would like to do that. Tired of writing a check or I'm, you know, tired of carrying wads of cash or, or whatever it might be. Or maybe you love, you know, throwing cash into the offering plate. Well, we don't have an offering plate. You have to fit it in that locked box in the back. Uh, but whatever that is, but we have an opportunity you can do that. Time, talent, and treasure to give for God's glory. Let me pray for us. Father, we're grateful that we've had this opportunity this morning. Again, maybe a, a slightly different uh, service and a slight, slightly different sermon series, but thank you that we can, as a church, move forward with who you, got, who you have called us to be. Not just individually, but as a church. Lord, and you've, you've, you've called us to do some incredible things for your glory in this community, in this county, in this nation, in this world. Lord, you want to use us. But we recognize this morning that, that if we're going to be the body of Christ that reaches out in the way that you've called us to be, if we're going to be the body, the, if we're going to be the church that is a city set on a hill in Sherrall and Chesterfield County like you want us to be, if we're going to have the impact that you've called us to have, Lord, it has to start with us individually as members of this body doing what you've called us to do, using our time, using our talents and using our treasures, being the stewards of what you've given to us to bless and help others. And it starts here, God. So I pray that you would, you would move us uh, to that point. Lord, work in us. We love you and thank you for what you're going to do in our church. In Jesus' name, we all said.